Hi, I'm Terry Zabolski, pastor of Grace Community Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's message. I hope and trust that God's Word is a blessing to you as you live for Him each and every day. We want to uh, consider today a Mother's Day message. I've entitled Hannah, a most amazing mother, uh, and uh, she she certainly certainly was, and comes to us from the pages of Scripture. Um, I, I, I so appreciated uh, those three uh, tributes. Uh, absolutely beautiful, uh, Camille and Vicky, Mark. Thank you so much for that. I told Faith, I think the sermon's done. Maybe we ought to just go home with that. <laughs> wow. I mean, if you had to, you mean you had to kind of hold back the tear. I'm not giving the crying, but you know, I, I, well, what's going on here? You know, I was welling up with, wow, that was that was great. Thank you so much. We bless you for that. Well, Hannah, t- take your Bible. Look at First Samuel uh, chapter one. And when we think of those in the Bible whom God honored, and there are some that God honors, and he says, well, consider this man or consider this woman, most of us at a brush would not consider a mother who gave her son away. We would think, uh, well, no, I don't think she fits in the category of notoriety in God's eye, but she certainly was. Yet the Lord placed uh, his hands upon a young woman, uh, who was without children and was heartbroken. Uh, you get into this uh, chapter 1, you don't go very many verses, and you discover, whoa, this is, this is quite a household uh, with, uh, with the children and a couple women here, and, and, and the tears uh, were flowing. It's kind of an amazing story. And this woman is Hannah uh, that we're talking about, Hannah, and uh, if you know, uh, the, can you say the word Hannah? Well, about three of you can say Hannah. Say Hannah. See, now you know Hebrew. Her name means grace. Did you know that? Like charis is the Greek word for grace. Hannah, if you know Hannah, if you can say Hannah, that's the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for grace. And she certainly, certainly was a woman of grace. She's a beautiful picture I have on your sheet of feminine grace from beginning to end. And in God's plan, she would be, give birth to a son known Samuel, or Samuel, and uh, he would be God's man for God's time to do God's work in a wretched, deplorable time. I mean, there are times when it's easier and times when it's harder to live for the Lord, right? Uh, sometimes romantically, we look back and say, well, the 40s and 50s, I think it was easier to have Christian homes and marriages stayed together, and, uh, you know, it was just, just easier, you know. Uh, maybe, maybe not, maybe we just remember it more romantically, but we do sense things are sort of sinking uh, in a Christian sense in our culture and our country, and we're trying to call our country back to see people saved, churches planted, and, uh, and so on. There are times that are harder, and there are times that uh, may be easier. Hers was a deplorable time. Uh, she uh, grew up, if you know anything about the Old Testament, many of you do, she grew up in the time of the judges. You know, Joshua's the book of great victory, right? Conquest of the land, victory, victory, victory. Joshua, God's man, leads his people. Uh, then you move into Judges, and there was a generation that forgot. And it was downward. You know, it's one of the principles of life. And you ought to embed it deeply. You know, I don't have a lot, but these things like this. What a man sows, he reaps. I mean, it's like gravity. It's true of the nation. It's true in a family. It's true with the church. It's true everywhere you are. It's true in a business. Every, every relationship. What a man sows, what a woman sows, they reap. And the nation of Israel, were, they were wandering far away from the fold of God and God's word. And so they would reap the whirlwind. And things would come flying apart, and, and God would get their attention. He'd raise up a man after they were in chains and bondage because God would uh, send knocking on the door trouble. You know, sometimes trouble is God's way of getting our attention. Did you know that? That's a book of Judges. God comes a knocking. Now he wants to bless his children. He does, 
But when we wander far afield, God comes a knocking. Like this, he comes a knocking. You know, a lot of times it's through trouble. Because a lot of times, unless we're flat on our bed looking up into heaven, we aren't looking up into heaven, right? Just, I loathe that about our sinful hearts, even as redeemed children of God. And so that's the book of Judges, and that's the, the era that Ruth is born into. And in uh, Hannah as well, and we're focusing on Hannah today. It was a terrible time, even in the priesthood, we'll see. Eli uh, is uh, the old man, he's a high priest. The tabernacle, David had not come yet, he had not built the temple in Jerusalem. So the temp- tabernacle, the meeting place of God, is at Shiloh, outside of Jerusalem. Uh, he has two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. They're wretched. They're priests, but uh, when folks would come in and offer a, a feast, you know, a lot of times the feast, uh, they would come in and offer uh, a filet mignon, right? Uh, they would, uh, a loin, right? Don't you like that filet? That's soft, tender. I know you do. They would come in and offer that, right, and roast it. They would share it. Uh, they, would, they would participate in that. And there's a lot there about feasting and eating and eating in the presence of God. And, the, and his sons are so wretched, they were selfishly take the very best cuts. And uh, the people broke the hearts of the people, discouraged them for God. But more than that, they almost made the tabernacle in Shiloh, Shiloh kind of a brothel. I mean, there were women that worked also there and caring for some of the things in the, in the dwelling place of God, the tabernacle. And Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they'd be having intercourse with these women in and around the tabernacle. Now, if that what was, was going on in the place where they met God, can you imagine to the rank and the file in the countryside how much worse it was? It is always that way. You know, the church sets the high water mark in a community. And uh, that's part of the great reason that men we studied pursue the holiness. You know, God blesses a church when men lead and when men are pursuing Christ and growing in grace and leading their families. And when, 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 when women say, I want to be a woman for Christ, and faithy study with uh, the ladies on that and, and trying to help ladies grow in grace, say, I want, to, I want to be all that God wants me to be. And it raises the mark of, of a church, and that has an influence into the community. Have you noticed we're not here gathered very much? We're like a MASH unit. Remember MASH on TV? Mobile Army Surgical Hospital? Mobile. That's like a church. We should even be more reminded of that because we, uh, we have these facilities. We don't own these facilities. And we could move sometime, right? And we gather here once a week. We worship the Lord. We study His Word. And then we scatter. We go out into the, into the warfare, if you will, in the homes and schools and places of work, and, uh, and to be salt and light for Jesus. It'd be a blessing to love the Lord, to love each other, and to love the world. Not the world sinfully, but to love people and draw them to the Savior and be a blessing help. Listen, when, you, when you're a blessing to people, a lot of times with the gospel, you know, we want to back up and dump the truck on people. Here it is, ready or not, it's the gospel, and there's a place for that. But you know a far better way? Just love people, and they'll come knocking on the door. They'll figure out, what, what is it with you? And then God opens the door and says, well, it's all because of Christ. What's that? And people haven't heard the gospel. And it's so far removed from normal people, even in America, that it's so new, they've not heard it. They're like intrigued by it. I never heard that. I never heard that. I remember when my father was saved, just before he died, didn't even know he was sick, and I've said that to the men so many times, his reflection on Monday night, it was right before Christmas, he said to my mother, I never knew that Mary was a virgin. And my mother's like, What? You know, we've been singing Christmas carols for all these years. But he was spiritually blind. He was spiritually blind. But God opened his heart and saved him. And God may use you to do that. And such is the time when Hannah lives. And God puts his hand on this woman, Samuel. He's the last of the judges. He's a prophet. He's a priest. Now, you should know that, that Hannah and Sarah are similar. Remember Sarah, Abraham's wife? Both could not bear children, remember? Uh, both were married to a man who had more than one wives. They were bigamists. And both uh, had God answer their prayer and give them a child. 
So there's a, quite a parallel. Sarah came first, years later, now it's Hannah. And also then, and then years after that, we have Mary, the mother of Jesus. She also bears a strong resemblance uh, to Mary uh, because Mary, after she gives birth to the Lord Jesus, has her wonderful Magnificat, the Song of Mary. And it echoes what we just read responsibly between the men and the woman, Hannah's song, her piano praise at the birth of her son. So there's strong parallels here between these godly women uh, in the Old Testament. Well, Hannah has uh, uh, really three, three great loves in her life and to provide her with enormous, enormous influence as a wife and mother. And if you think about it, uh, these, if, you, if, if, if uh, men will help our, our wives and if our wives are mothers to, to be all of this, I mean, this is enough. This is a full cup. It's real simple. If you get it down, it's uh, uh, some, uh, some have written it this way. And if you, I'm not given to alliteration. Uh, I had an old friend, Dave Benning, who said, well, you're not smart enough to know enough words to begin with the same letter. He used to tease me on that. And I said, well, no, it looks kind of forced. But this, it may work, because uh, uh, here we have, uh, uh, if you want me to alliterate her, the, the, the first love is her love for her husband. So there's an H. And the second be love for heaven. And then third H would be love for home. So there you go, love for husband, love for heaven, and what that means and we'll talk about that, and love for her home. I mean, that is a full, full cup. And they're obviously true in Hannah's life. It provided her with enormous, enormous influence upon her husband and as a mother, upon her children, namely Samuel, who would turn and begin to turn the nation back to God, this brokenhearted woman. So take your Bible. Let's look at First Samuel chapter 1. We're going to notice this once broken-hearted woman gives us the most wonderful model of a godly woman worthy of imitation. Uh, I, I don't want to read all of chapter 1, but you've got to sort of get the narrative here. And so verse 1, there was a certain man of uh, uh, Rama, uh, uh, in, in Ramaathim Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. Look at 2. And he had two wives. There's a big part of the problem. The name of one was Hannah, the name of another was Pania. Pania had children. There's another part of the problem, but Hannah had no children. Now this man, that's Elkanah, used to go up year by year from the city to worship, to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. And on the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Pania's wife, to all her sons and daughters, that's portions of what they ate, the sacrifice. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, increasing the problem there in that home. Though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival, Hebrew word adversary, used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year after year. Can you read it? Year after year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you not weep? Why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Elkanah tries to encourage her. And after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting in the seat beside the doorpost of the temple, meaning tabernacle of the Lord. And she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. And as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman, and Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah said, No, my Lord, I'm, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been, look it, pouring out my soul before the Lord. 
Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and then they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew, his, knew Hannah his wife. They had relations, and the Lord remembered her, and in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son. She called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Well, let's, uh, let's look at our text, the three great loves. Her first love uh, is obvious. It's uh, Hannah's love for her husband. Though it's an understatement, the circumstances of her home were most, most, most difficult. I can't imagine what she lived with. It's obvious from the text that her husband, Elkanah, he loved her and she loved him. Her problem was at least twofold. He's a bigamist. You know, somewhere it ought to be written, one woman, one kitchen, one house. And uh, uh, we believe that Hannah was his first wife. Her name always appears when you see them first, and that would always show the priority. And, uh, and in time, uh, it was uh, that she could not conceive and bear him a, a child. Uh, in, in that day, it was common in the culture. Uh, and we see that even with Abraham. He did the same thing with Hagar and Sarah. You know, he needed uh, an heir to pass his inheritance onto and to pass his name onto. Those things uh, far more weighty than we even give thought to in our culture, in our day. A whole other world in thought. And so it was common in that culture, though it was never God's design. Monogamy has always been God's design. One man for one woman. Actually, one life. Mm-hmm. God regulated that. And uh, he didn't openly judge it in the Old Testament. I get that question a lot. How come there seems to be a lot of polygamy in the Old Testament? And uh, did, that, did, did God bless that and whatever? You can see the seeds of the, of the pain and the destruction of uh, God's ideal of Adam and Eve. It wasn't Adam, Eve, and Betsy. You notice that? Uh, in the in the uh, the give and take and the nitty gritty of the marriage, and here we see it, and here we see it, and so uh, uh, Elkanah um, marries uh, another woman, Pania, and Pania is as fruitful as a vine. My mother and dad were like that. I told you mentioned many times. <clears throat> My mother had seven children. I was the second of seven. Look forward to talking to my mom today, later today. And uh, my mother used to say, Oh, your dad and I, you know, all I have to do is our laundry together, and I'm pregnant again. <laughs> I often think of that with Pania, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's not always so. You know, I know as a pastor in counseling uh, gals, uh, couples, you know, typically the numbers are three and five. Don't seem to have much problem having children. God is the giver of children. God is the one who does that for, for his purposes. One in five struggle, but, but in time, God grants a child. And one in five, for whatever and all the reasons, it is God's will that they, they, they don't have children. He has other purposes and plans. Just like not all women are to be married. Although most women will, will be married, it's God's design and program for that. Uh, and if they marry, um, most will have children. I saw 83% of women 40 and above have had a child, either in wedlock or out. So that's God's design and program. But some will not have children. God has something very special, something else for them. And, and singleness. God has uh, uh, the gift of singleness for some gals not to be married. And, uh, and so anyway, the setting here, uh, Pania is having children popping out all the time. And here's Hannah. Can you see her in the kitchen? Godly Hannah, trusting the Lord, wonderfully saved, 
no children. And in that day, again, another thing, can I say? And in that day, it was, it was even more important for a Hebrew woman to bear a, a child. We don't, we, don't, we don't feel that in America today. We, we don't. They, there, it was very different, very different. And uh, year after year. And not only that, you have, uh, you have Pania that uh, is taunting her. Imagine that give and take. And you know what? You never see Hannah giving it back to her. Never. She took it. She took it. She took it. Part of the grace of her name, the grace of her character, even though Pania kept digging. Why did Pania keep digging? Because it was obvious and evident that uh, her husband loved Hannah more. Oh, wow. That could be in our day the foundation for a, for a series to go on TV, right? <laughs> L.A. 1595, or whatever they are, the zip code there. <laughs> oh, it's fraught with all sorts of tension. You can feel it here. Wow. She's called, uh, and Pania's her adversary, and her inability to have a child was like an open wound. What a terrible situation. The stress in the home was almost unbearable for Hannah. And Alcana. Uh, showed his great love by publicly giving her a double portion, verses 4 and 5. <clears throat> uh, you can see he gave her, gave Pania a portion of meat. Here's, the, here's a loin. Give it to her sons and daughters, his children. And then he made a big display of honoring Hannah before all of them in this public setting. He gave her a double portion. She knew she was loved, and she reciprocated that love to Elkanah, even though it was a most, most difficult circumstance. She loved her husband. She did. Men, have you, have you done, uh, do you do what uh, Elkanah did? Uh, I think he's, a wise, he's wise in this. You know, you ought to publicly declare and, and display your love for your wife. You know that? Almost make a fool out of yourself. You say, like, I don't do that. You, know. you should. I mean, he publicly made it known, I love her. You know, that'll make your wife so secure. You know, she'll never ask you to do that, but if you, if you display with your words and your manners and your ways your love for your wife publicly, you will be blessed, I'm telling you. Blessed means happy, happy, happy. And you know the first commandment, right? What's the first commandment? No, love the Lord your God. No, you're right. That's Jill. I was saying happy, happy wife, happy life. That's it. That's, Somebody said that ought to, if it's not the 11th commandment, it should be. You know, that's, <laughs> and you know the next one? What's the one after that one? Repeat the first one, you know. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great way to do that. You provide great security, and she needs that. Women tend to be less secure than men. We are, but maybe we don't show it. But tends to be display your love in, the, in your office and where you work and in the neighborhood and before others. She's my wife. You know, there's a sense where a man builds his wife. You kind of get what you get, what you've been building all these years. Wow. I'm thankful for Faithy. She's a great wife. I'd take a moment here now that I've said to do that. But she, she, she is the greatest. She never, she didn't pay me to say it. She didn't. But I certainly married up. I did. Her family, I've been blessed ever since. And you know what? When I'm done at the, away, I run home. You know that? Some guys run away from home. I'm glad to be away. You know, not me. I love to be with her. She's my best friend. I run home. At that four weeks, a couple of years ago, when I was in, in Qatar by myself, I went nuts. I was totally lost. I was like walking around those Arab streets, totally out of my mind after that third and a half week. I did, I did okay for two weeks. But after that, I was a basket case because I missed her so much, you know? Mister, you know, next week, next Sunday, you're going to share it with us. It'll be our 35th anniversary. Isn't that something? I like, I say it out loud because I want someone to correct me and say, no, Terry, it's 25. <laughs> and here's the thing. I think I'm just starting to get it. <laughs> I mean, she knew at the beginning, but I was sort of like slow class, you know, like sort of, you know, remedial again, you know, I guess. <laughs> A lot of guys, you're looking kind of stiff, but you know where I'm talking about here. She's the best. And she, she, I never have to worry about her love for me. She's the best. Wow. 
Well, Hannah, look at thee. Hannah's love for her husband is the first key to understanding her profound influence as a mother. Now, here's the thing. Contrary to popular opinion, now get this. The most important characteristic of a godly mother is not her relationship to her children. Now, I hear that a lot in our day and in our culture. I read it. It's not true. It's not biblical. The most important characteristic of godly mother is her relationship, her love for her husband, bedrock. Some of you grew up in homes that wasn't so, and you know how fractured that home life was. And some of you, it was sort of, and some of you, my mother loved my dad, and it, and he loved her, and that was the foundation. And, you know, we live in a day where kids don't want to get married. They grow up and they just like, ah, let's try it out a little bit. You know, all the broken homes and all that, the insecurities of that, they're like, we're not really sure about that. We're just don't, not sure. You know what? Children that come out of homes that are blessed of God, where dad loves mom and mom loves dad, they get out and they get a certain age, and, you, you know, they're mature in every way, physically, sexually, spiritually. They're like, they're, I'm looking for a mate. I want to find a mate. I want to settle down. I want to get married. It's the most natural thing. Dad and mom are happy and this and that, and I sort of want to replicate that. And that's the way it goes. And, uh, and that's sort of not the general tone of our day, is it? And uh, we're reaping some of the consequences of that. What you communicate to your children through your marriage will stay with them for the rest of their lives. You, you remember your dad and mom. You have an image of that and their relationship with each other. None of them are perfect. My dad and mom were not perfect. They had their times. They had a business. There were stresses and strains, and my dad needed my mom in there at points, and she felt constrained to be with, you know, I got my family, my children, and she'd go in the office, and then they'd try and work that out, and they were tired and all these kind of things, and just trying to make a life, and yet they were bedrock for each other. They were. They were, and her love for him. My mother admired my father. She feared my father, not in the wrong sense, but she would like, your father. Like, this is kitchen conversation after school. Your father is so amazing. I'd be sitting there having a cup of coffee like, why do I say that, Mom? Oh, do you ever think all that he does? And, and, and it taught me from the early stages of to see life, see life in our family through my mother's eyes. And it was like, my father became larger than life. You know, to this day, you think that because I illustrate a lot with my family. But it was through the love of my mother for my father. Wow. And it was to, to God's building the life of a young man, me, uh, in that kind of a home. Again, that was not perfect. There are none. So don't say, well, that was perfect. Even faith in mine, our, our home's not perfect. I'm still praying for faith to come along. No, it's not that way at all. You know that's probably the other way, and it is. Uh, you listen, Dr. Laura, some of you used to listen to her a lot. She, she had this wrong. She used to say, it's the kids, it's the kids, it's the kids, it's the kids. You know, so you stay together for the kids. It's important. It's important to do that. That's not the center of it. Hannah had it right. And uh, look, when you, what you communicate to your kids will stay with them through the rest of their lives. They'll learn what? In growing up as little, and they'll learn what true love is, really. I love to see that in my own family. I talked to Dave, uh, Jonathan last night. He's going out on a date. David, he's got date night. You know, I, I don't say, listen, you've got to have date night. Sarah and Greg, when they can, he has a crazy schedule at the hospital. You know, I never know when he's working. Around the clock, I, I pray for him. But Sarah will say, hey, we're going out, we're going on date night, Greg's taking me out. You know, those are keys. Those are good things. They learn love, they learn self-sacrifice, denial, they learn sin, right? Nitty-gritty of the home. I mean, if Christian principles don't work in the home, they don't work. Let's go home. Save your money, don't come here, don't, you know, let's disband. That stuff all better work in the home. That's where it needs to work, and it does work. I'm here to tell you it works. They learn compassion, they learn forgiveness, I mean it, in the home. With all the domestic issues here in Hannah, they, had, they still had, as you read the text, you sense it, a healthy marriage and abiding love for each other. They worship God together. Wow, that's important. Pray together, worship together, 
She loved her husband. But second, the second great love, and this is even more important, Hannah had a, she had a great love for the Lord. She loved her husband, she loved the Lord, a deep and abiding love for him. This was the most important love of her life. It's clearly seen in her prayer life. Her heart was set on things above, not on things on the earth, Colossians. Her desire for a child was not a craving for self-gratification. Rachel, you read about Rachel with Jay. Give me children, give me children. It's totally selfish. Not Hannah. Hannah here is praying selflessly for a child. It was not about her, but it was self-sacrifice for a child, a son, a fit son, whom she would give back to the Lord for his service. Wow. She was ever faithful, persistent in prayer. Shouts to us when we read this little thumb sketch of her life in chapter, chapter 1, verse 12 particularly. She asked God for a son so he could serve her in the tabernacle. Um, she would give him to the Lord. You know, that's an important thing. You know, as a, 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 sort of a, a picture of the image of God giving us his own son, the Lord Jesus. Is it not? He gave us his son to serve, to serve him by offering him his own life for our sin. God gave his son. And Hannah gave her son. And I would say to you, if you've never given your children to the Lord, you should do that. Faith and I have always done it. When we get a bigger acquisition even, of a house, we'll have a dedication. Lord, this is your house. You know, you take care of it. You know, we do it with cars, especially. Oh, wow, it's a, it's a meat market out there on the highway. You know, Lord, this is your car. Please protect us. And when your kids get cars, you pray even more. Oh, right, Rachel? <laughs> pray without ceasing. <laughs> oh, man. You know, we do that. We pray. How about your kids? I mean, Hannah has a son. God gives; she's going to give him to the Lord. And we ought to do that. You ought to do that. If you've never done it, don't have to. You don't have to bring him up here and all that. Although we do have parental dedication, that's a sweet time. We'll do that again. But you you ought to you ought to give them to the Lord. Just put your hands on. Say, Lord, I'm a little bit late here, but I'm going to give my son, give my daughter to you. Do that to your grandkids too. You know, God hears the you, in the in the text. You're you're their father and mother. You know that's the way it is. You multi generations. So do that. Give them to the Lord. My mother uh, raised seven kids. My dad never went to church, but it's always important to her to give her babies to the Lord. I remember her saying that. It's funny how the things you you remember way back. You think, oh, that really you won't ever remember that. It's funny the things that come back, and I remember. And I don't remember being offered, but she presented. Uh, uh, each one of us, as the babies came along, to the Lord for the Lord's glory. And after college, when I was working in business, and my father was in, uh, I loved that time with him, those couple of years, went to business school, and um, uh, my father offered me the business when I was working youth ministry gratis. And uh, my mother came into my, I remember, she came into my, she came into my office one day, and she said, so this is it for you, huh? I said, well, what do you mean? She said, uh, yeah, I'm here, I'm here working in the business with that. This is it? This is all you're going to do with your life? Now, isn't that funny? I remember that. Like, I thought you were going to do so much more. I, like, this is our family business, Mom. What are you saying? Well, I, I thought that you were thinking of pastoring. You know, like, now that was unselfish because it was going to involve us, and it did. Uh, bit by bit, in the months that unfolded, going to graduate school and and never living again in the same state. Now, the Lord doesn't always have that, of course. But if, we hadn't, if she hadn't said that, and that was a part of the process, she unselfishly uh, recognized something in, in me, I guess. Maybe only something a mother could see, right? <laughs> Your mother's like that, too. <laughs> he's, no, he's no good. He's no good. And your mother says, yes, he is. <laughs> it was her encouragement, right? She, as she unselfishly gave... Me and gave us up to the Lord. It's amazing. It is. You do that. Do that. And then pray for him every day and through the day, like Dottie. Mark, your wonderful tribute there about Dottie. 
pray for them, surround them, cover them with your prayers. I do that every single day. Oh, my. Do that. Hannah did that in her prayers to the Lord. She didn't give up praying. And, you know, she didn't become bitter against her husband. Her, her husband wasn't the one in charge of the power of procreation. We don't see her bitter against her. You can't give me a child. We didn't see that at all. She recognized children are a gift of the Lord. Only it's the Lord is the one that does it. It's amazing, the process. That's his. And, and so she didn't grumble against the Lord waiting. She took her case, and here it is. She took her case directly to the Lord in prayer for Samuel 1, 10 and 11. Remember me. Sounds like the thief on the cross, right? What a great prayer. Remember me. You say, I don't know how to pray. Can you say that? Remember me. There you go. It's one of the great prayers of the Bible. And you know what? She, she's praying in the temple, misunderstood by Eli. He's used to seeing women of ill repute around there because of his sons. Mistook her for that. Thought she was drunken and all that. Remember me. And God remembered her. He remembered her. She took it directly. She took her case directly to the Lord in prayer, and she left it there. Now, that's a great thing for us, not only with our children, but for all things, isn't it? A lot of times we pray, we worry, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, we go, we fret, 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 right? We're given to that because we're puny, small, frail, not able to do much, and not here very long, right? What's going to happen next, right? What's coming on? Things happen in three, right? What's going to happen next? And we worry about it. We worry about finances. We worry about health. We worry about children. We worry about our work, our jobs, our school. I'm going to flunk out. You know, this whole thing. Not Hannah. Like this, this thing really from her heart out. She took it, her case to the Lord, and she left it there. It's a great example for me and for you. Leave it there. Leave it. Leave it. You know, leave it there. Don't keep taking her off and I'll take it. No, leave it there. And she did. And she believed God would take care of it. And he certainly did. Well, Eli, uh, the corrupt high priest, totally misjudged her silent prayer. She answered him, though, with grace and humility. Didn't rebuke him, wasn't tart, didn't tell him off. Right? And when the Lord finally answered her prayer by giving her a son, she asked, her thankful soul responded with pure and unbroken stream of praise. We read that in, in our responsive reading. It's a masterpiece. Wow, it's glorious. She acknowledges God's holiness, His goodness, His sovereignty, His power, God's wisdom. She worshiped Him as Savior, Creator, Sovereign Judge. What words of love and wonder. Wow, beautiful. She spoke about God whom she knew out of her own intimate knowledge of Him. Glorious. Well, Hannah loved her husband. Wow. But second and most important, she loved heaven. She loved the Lord. He was number one. And in that priority, I'll never forget, and I've told you before, about Faithy's mother when she was dying. She lived five years or so after Pop went to heaven. And uh, she had leukemia and struggled with tremors and all that. And she, she, she would go high fever and then come down after five, ten minutes and I remember her, she was in Sarah's bedroom. Sarah was, uh, was uh, living somewhere else. I don't remember where at that point. Oh, in Annapolis. She was teaching public school. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and Gladys was there, and she went into one of her tremors, and she was up in Sarah's bed, and we knew that she wouldn't live long. And I just wanted to say, Mom, you know, I just want to tell you, you've done so wonderfully well these years without Pop. I mean, the love of your life. I've told you this before. And she, laying there in her feebleness, 98 pounds, <clears throat> looked, opened her eyes, and said, Oh, Terry, she said, I love Pop so much, but he was not the love of my life. It is the Lord Jesus. He's the love of my life. It's no wonder I have such a great wife, coming from a mother like that. And Hannah... She loved her husband. It was a difficult home. But most importantly, she loved the Lord with all her heart. Wow. And the third and final love of her life, providing her with enormous, enormous influence. Hannah loved her family. She was devoted to her home. 
We see it, and she didn't fight with Pania. She put up with that nonsense in the home. Uh, and uh, her desire to have a child, that's family and homish, right? And then it's best seen in the way she takes care of this, this little baby, this little son that God gives her uh, in his infancy. Samuel, uh, he was a living answer to prayer. Uh, his name means asked of the Lord. Imagine that. Every time she yelled for dinner, hey, asked of the Lord, come and eat your hot dog. Hey, asked of the Lord, get home before the lights turn on, right? She had him only for a few years, but uh, it was a constant reminder that God answers prayer. and God had heard her brokenheartedness. And granted her the desire of his heart. Don't you love that Psalm 37, 4? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll grant you the desires of your heart. Isn't that great? I love that verse so much. That's one of my all-time favorites, Psalm 37, 4. She devoted herself solely to the care of Samuel for a number of years. You can read that as you continue through the text, and you will discover as you study that this week with your handout that uh, she was going to have him until he was weaned. Now, the Hebrew women uh, breastfed their, their babies until they were three, sometimes four. And we go like, whoa, that's a cultural thing, you know. Uh, and it may have been four, maybe three, four, maybe five, when she finally took her young man, her only son, her only child, Samuel, uh, back down to Shiloh and to present him to the Lord to live there, sort of like a boarding school, at the tabernacle, and Eli, would, the high priest, would be her instructor, uh, his instructor at that point. But she devoted herself solely to Samuel's care for a number of years. And in fact, uh, uh, in verse 21, the man Alcanah and all his house went up to offer the Lord the yearly sacrifice to pay his vow. But Hannah didn't go up, for she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I'll bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. And so Hannah remained and nursed her son till he was weaned. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephod of flour and skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord. And the child was young. And they slaughtered a bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. She's going to give him to the Lord as long as he lives. He has lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. He stayed. She went back about 25 miles, two days' journey, back to her home and would come to visit periodically, bring him the Texas change of clothing each year, and I would believe she'd stay longer when they go up and worship at the various feasts and see her son periodically and had a continual influence in his life. But she was the sole uh, provider and caretaker during the early formative years. She stayed at home with him rather than worshiping with her family. She knew that her time was short. Listen, have you figured it out, time is short? Not maybe three, four, five years short, but even if you go 18 years or 15, and each year you live, uh, dear ones, uh, you have less and less influence. There are other voices that call. So you've got to really pour into your children and grandchildren at the earliest, earliest of ages. When the cement is still wet, it's hard to rearrange cement that's setting up. Have you ever done that poor the sidewalk or a driveway? Man, you've got to jump in there and you've got to get it going. Well, once it starts to form up, I'm not saying they're hard as rock or some of our kids, they may seem it, but then they're probably like us that way and some, some of that, right? Get them early, get them early, get them early. You know the Roman church used to say that, you know, like give us a, give us a child till he's seven and we have them all our life. And they would, they would teach that, and they would pour that in. And the importance of early, and Hannah, by God's grace, loved her home and her family, her husband, heaven, and her home, and they gave her incredible impact 
and it would change the nation as she poured herself into him. Man, you know, John MacArthur wrote, and I love this, motherhood is the highest calling God can bestow upon any woman. It is, after all, the one vocation that God uniquely designed women to fulfill. And no man can ever intrude into the mother's role, no matter, no matter what. I don't think most men would want to, but uh, it's true. It's a high and holy estate, and men, we need to elevate that and lift that up. She helped uh, Samuel, that his hand helped Samuel learn the most basic truths of life and wisdom. She knew that Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Wow, she was a fixture in his life, and it forever changed him. Though it must have been painful for her, she kept her word. She wasn't one who made a promise to the Lord, I'll do this, Lord, give me a child, and then keep him. She followed through. And the heartache that that was, and seeing her son separated from her, is a pain that maybe only a, a mother uh, would be able to understand. As she gave her son to be raised by the high priest in the tabernacle for the Lord with a Nazarite vow. And God would uh, use her son in a most powerful way to bring, begin to call the nation back to God. Well, a couple of other things before we look at lessons. Hannah is a reminder that mothers are the makers of men and the architect of the next generation. Wow. In a world that, uh, that sells motherhood short, do they, do they not in our culture? Oh, what's that? Oh, you're just a mother. No, it's the most important state. Something only a mother can do. It's only something you can do if God has given that to you. Mothers are the makers of men and the architects of the next generation. Samuel surely exhibited that. Hannah's love for heaven, husband, and home are still the true priorities for every godly wife and if she is a mother for her. Hannah showed us what the Lord can do through one woman totally and unreservedly devoted to himself. Well, lessons for life. What can we say as we close? Number one, Hannah's sacrifice, as great as it was, as she gave her son to the Lord to serve him. But really think about it. It pales when compared to the sacrifice God the Father gave when he gave his son to be the atoning sacrifice for your sin and mine. One was to serve in his life. One was to serve and chiefly serve in his death. He died for you. He died for me. Number two. Wow. Motherhood is a blessed thing created by God. And we honor you, Mom. We honor you. Not just today. It's not just, okay, we've got to honor Mom today. But we honor motherhood as God designed it. It teaches us something about the wonder of God. It teaches us something about the wonder of our shepherd who is motherly in his care and provision and carries us, carries us uh, when we're hurting, right? I like to watch NFL football. My bills are going to maybe win this year or something. That's, see, I leave it open-ended that way. But have you ever noticed when you talk, when you see these athletes, I mean, it's, uh, they get hurt, they yell, Mama, right? Or if they're being interviewed, hey, Mom, they never say, hi, Dad. I don't know why, that bothers me a little bit. <laughs> hey, Dad, I never, never see that much. I, I don't know why that is, but it's Mama. And Mark, I said the same thing to my mother on the wrestling mat. You know what actually ended up at? My mother said, I cannot go to any of your wrestling matches. I can't take it. I can't take when you're screaming and yelling out there. It was in the early years. She said, I can't take it anymore. But what? She wanted to rush to the mat. Mama, it's a high and holy estate. We honor you for it. We do. We do. Number three, remember most of us have a mother to thank for influencing us for Jesus. Most of us. And, and we'll talk about the dads next month, but, but most of us have a mother to thank. I do. And it was my mother's uh, uh, grandmother that was the influence in her life, took her. So when she was nine years old, she's wonderfully saved. And Faithy's whole family uh, was through uh, her grandmother, a godly little German woman, about four foot ten, 
uh, with her little finger and love for Jesus, influenced her kids. And what amazed me when I began to date Faith a long time ago was I never knew a family where all of the kids and their kids had credible professions of faith in the Lord Jesus. And it was through, and he traced it back, because she was married to a, a man, a German man, spoke heavy German, and was a plumber, ran his own business, but was not saved until after she died. It was, it was a grandma. It was a mother. It was a mother. And she influenced people to be saved. She influenced missionaries to go around the world. She influenced all her children. And what blessed children. And most of them, all but one, are in heaven today. And the grandkids. And it's no wonder that they're in churches today serving the Lord, teaching Sunday school. Some are in Africa. Some are, are married to pastors. Some are pastors. And some are teachers and, and business people. And they love the Lord. The influence of a mother like Hannah. Like Hannah. Don't discount your role, ladies. Wow. Number four. Number four, God hears and answers the prayers of a mother. Pour your heart out to him and leave it there, even as we go along. I find I'm praying more and more for my kids. And maybe God won't answer until I'm gone and I'm home in heaven. God collects our tears. He keeps them all, and he keeps, hears our prayers. Hannah, ask to the Lord. Ask, be bold. Get on your knees and cry out for your kids and your grandkids. Faithy and I are praying for two of our grandbabies that are still in the oven. We pray every day, Lord, save them early. Keep them from so much. Oh, Lord, please, use them for thy glory. Number five and last. Mom, your impact upon your children is enormous. It's enormous. If there were a better word, I'd use it. I, I would. It's enormous. Don't ever discount it. Start early. Continue. May God give you strength. I know you get tired. Don't quit. We're counting on you. We're counting on you. Bless the Lord. That's Hannah. What an example. What a God. What a Savior. What a Lord Jesus. Wow. Let's stand and be dismissed, shall we?